Yes, Joe Lopez, uh, Aero Security and Training, LLC. Uh, started out in 2005, officially, after um, a return from Afghanistan. And there was a huge need for um, ex-Special Forces guys to train the uh, folks deploying over to Iraq and Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, there's different types of uh, training that we blend in, different yeah. soft skills into for... Um, you know, to achieve pretty much whatever training goals that, uh, you know, most of the guys that were deploying. And then um, I stopped doing that in about 2007 and went over to the um, uh, team starting over there in uh, Hungary where they were starting up an international special forces qualification course for the uh, NATO allies, especially the uh, ex-Warsaw Pact guys. Yeah. So uh, that was in Hungary for two years doing that. And then when I got back, uh, just as I got back in 2009, beginning in 2009, um, we won our first contract, and that was with uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection. Okay. Uh, and we started out providing um, uh, role players for their, uh, for their, um, their agents that were going through school. and. Our role players would pretend that they were seeking asylum or, or things like that, but kind of a critical thing to have, yeah. you know, humans in there yeah. to be able to interview as opposed to, you know, just being evaluated. So, and that kind of led to another contract with Customs and Border Patrol, the Canine um, um, School at uh, Front Royal, Virginia. Mm -hmm. They need role players as well for um, uh, for their dogs need to go through a number of folks before they have, you know, whatever target that they're after. So, for example, if you were going to place drugs on somebody or, or money or explosives, the dogs need to go through like about 20 different folks before they find the individual. Otherwise, yeah. it's not a really good test of their skills. Okay. And the dogs and the handlers are getting trained at these schools too. So, um, And then from there, we moved into um, language immersion. Uh, and we do language immersion worldwide, Russia, China, South America, um, Southeast Asia for the Air Force. So the Air Force attaches going through school get to go into, they get turned over to us, we turn them over to our host nation families that they live with, kind of like a foreign exchange student. Yep. Okay. And then they live there and they go through language school in country plus do all the cultural things. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, we're, we're doing that. Um, right now, we've got uh, a number of interpreters in Iraq right now, um, and that number seems to be growing. Um, and we have a contract with the National Guard Bureau to provide uh, joint-level training specialists to go to each state and territory that has a uh, National Guard presence and advise them on training and how to register their training and how to uh, forecast their training. And along with that, we also provide a uh, desktop staff trainer, computerized uh, desktop staff trainer for each joint level um, state operation to actually go through a uh, disaster yeah. as a CPX, which is, uh, you know, like a desktop staff training. Yeah. And uh, that way they don't have to actually, you know, put the scenarios together and things like that. So anything from hurricanes to tornadoes to uh, earthquakes and, and things like that, they actually go through and, 
you know, play their roles. <laughs> that would have been good a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, we won a contract called um, SWIMS, which is SOCOM-wide mission support. So, and along with that, we won uh, the, the final portion of the MARSOC school. Mars, the Marine Special Operations uh, Command has a school okay. to train all their guys. It's modeled after the Army Special Forces School. Yeah. And there's a number of, there's a, a bunch of ex-Army SF guys in there helping them train up because they want to they want to stick with the same doctrine, the same um, uh, mission set. So we won their final exercise, which is called Derna Bridge, so we provide all the role players, uh, we provide the weapons, we provide all the equipment, and um, and a number of other things out there. Well, you, the company sounds like it does a whole lot. And it's, uh, yeah, we we do. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Do quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's always the stuff that I had fun doing in the military was being in your op four and stuff. And yeah, so that's pretty cool. I found it interesting. Now, do you handle just military contracts? Do you do civilian work, or is it kind of just? Well, there's not really much call for. Yeah. Um, you know, the kind of skills that we have right now, except yeah. for in the software arena, we're starting to develop little um, solutions to problems, especially in EMS and, uh, you know, when it works with the National Guard. Um, so those things have civilian applications. Um, some of the military stuff does, believe it or not. For example, um, you know, when we do pre-deployment training for the guys going to the sandbox. Um, a lot of those skills are useful to civilians who are traveling overseas for their companies. So we're working on that. Um, working on a couple projects with uh, different colleges for um, active shooter training. Okay. And yeah. and what to do when there's an active active shooter on their campus. Um, and we do uh, and have been doing quite a few um, big disaster exercises with the National Guard. Uh, National Guard will have a multi-state exercise, and uh, they'll simulate a um, earthquake, tornado, swarm, whatever, and that way they get to exercise all their personnel and equipment. And when you do that, you need role players. Yeah. So, and you also need them all to be made up with their specific injuries that they want to deal with and things like <laughs> that. So we got kind of movie quality um, uh, moulage, it's called kind of movie quality moulage that we apply to upwards of 150 to 200 folks. And then we train them and coach them and tell them how to react uh, based on what the uh, guard wants to see. Mm -hmm. And then um, we also provide the uh, role players that are simulating the incident command system as well. Mm -hmm. So we do, do quite a bit of that. We just did a, um, we just did the moulage for a, um, Exercise they were running up here in Manchester Airport. That's okay. the first and only job we had. Okay, huh. this really this sounds really cool. Um, I like what your company does. And I always enjoyed the the playing part of the uh, four and stuff. They always made us do it just because of budget cuts and stuff. It sounds like we uh, do a lot of role player stuff, and we do, but those are short term little yeah. things. Um, most of the long term stuff that we're doing right now is um, pretty. Uh, kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. It's not really anything you could pin down as like we are this kind of company or that kind of company. Yeah, We've got a number of different capabilities and as we gather different talent and um, things like that, we, you know, different uh, personnel with expertise, we 
acquire their skills and we move on along the, those business paths. Okay, so you're, so you're very adaptive as oh, far yeah. as your company Absolutely. goes. Yeah. That's really cool. So kind of each employee kind of helps you right. pull the company in a different direction. Oh, it's unique. I haven't heard that a lot of times. Well, we do two things I think that's different than the other companies. First of all, we take care of the customer, mm -hmm. and that's that's uh, rule one. Uh, we've lost money on a number of government contracts because we, in order to get the work, you had to low bid it. Yeah. But you cannot lower the quality. Yeah. So because your reputation carries, you know, carries down the road, and. Uh, Sometimes we'll lose money, sometimes we won't, but we will always do a great job, and I'm, I'm not afraid to, you know, make sure that job is, is good. And then the next thing is you take care of your your employees. Yeah. And if your employees are all happy, they're not working against you, they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not, uh, you know, dragging their feet and things like that. They're enthusiastic. So yeah. take care of those two things, and and uh, you're pretty much set up for success. Well, when I went to Afghanistan, it was early on, it was in uh, 2002, mm -hmm. in about April, May time frame. Um, we got over there and it, it truly is an unconventional warfare theater, it still is. And when we got there, anyone else outside of the conventional side had no idea what was going on. Um, and it was kind of shocking, actually. It, to the point to where um, they were afraid of Soviet weapons. Um, when I got back from Afghanistan, uh, while I was over there, we noticed that most of the conventional troops over there are nothing against them, but mm -hmm. they'd been trained for Cold War. Mm -hmm. and, and the institutional, um, you know, threat was, you know, Russia, anything Russian, anything, uh, you know, uh, CHICOM and all that. So when the guys got over there, any time they saw an AK or any type of Russian weapon, they assumed it was a bad guy, which was not the case. Yeah. Um, same thing with the equipment and, you know, other things like that. So they didn't know anything about the weapons of not only the, uh, our friends but our enemies. And because we weren't training on them back here. Um, and so that's one of the first things we did was uh, we acquired a bunch of Russian weapons so we can go around and train, train the guys going overseas because the military wasn't set up to do that. Um, they didn't have the ammo in the system, and since we could buy it commercially, yeah. we can actually use it on range as opposed to getting it through, you know, the um, ammo depot, and you got to go through yeah. all the OSHA crap. And yeah. <laughs> um, so that and a number of other skills, like nobody knew how to use a, an interpreter. Yeah. Nobody knew what an interpreter was supposed to be used for or how it was supposed to be used. Uh, nobody to this day still knows anything about Islam. Yeah. So, you know, those are the type of uh, skills we were teaching out there. And those are what the conventional forces were lacking. So we were in uh, quite, quite a, a big demand for a while. And then as time went on and it was, we started drawing down uh, the need for, as soon as, as soon as money gets tight and as soon as everything starts uh, lowering, they cut out all the good training. Training. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it was kind of like uh, help, trying to help your brothers out kind of thing, too. The, 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 the military is about to send those guys over there without these skills. And, uh, you know, by damn, I was going to, you know, make sure they at least, as far as I, you know, could provide them, uh, give it to them. So.